how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? Everybody, this is Rose. And this is Louisa. And you're listening to Sober Sex. I made a promise to myself to stop not listening. What it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality. It started with putting down the substances, really, and starting to listen. And the listening to my body has changed. Okay, here we go. One more time. One, two, three, go. <laughs> Bay Leche, a.k.a. Brie, is a sex and relationship coach, fantasy facilitator, and self-proclaimed kinky mama who specialized in non-traditional, ferociously loving, and creative ways of exploring the erotic. We are thrilled to have her on the show today. In fucking deed. This was such a lovely conversation. How are you feeling? Absolutely. Great. I mean, that was so interesting for me. I really like love the sort of route that she took to get where she was and how honest she was about the sort of like uh, not direct trajectory to where she is now that like, you know, both in her relationship and in her um, professional life. Um, yeah. She has a really interesting story and I love the message of kind of honoring what is inside of you. Totally. And I mean, it seems like so grounded in like a healing place that it's not, I think that like, polyamory or open relationships can kind of get this like reputation as like I don't know somehow irresponsible or something like and it seems like this is so kind of holistically well and like considered and that like the emotional labor involved by both her and her her uh partner and and like the father of her kids is just like so like there's so much honoring of each other that's going on that I'm like fuck that's so beautiful well yeah and I mean in some ways I think like people can see it as like you know who aren't educated on it or who haven't talked specifically to Brie would say it's not an honoring of each other it's the opposite of an honoring of each other and yet you talk to Brie and you hear how much of an honoring of each other it is and what a brave you know exciting choice it is and also like you know it's not I think in some ways I'd I'd sometimes thought well is that just kind of because you know, they're just people that don't really feel like they can do it with one person. And it's not, it's so much more than that, you know, like it's so much more than that. And in terms of the different kinds of love you can feel and the connection you can feel, I think it's really, really enlightening to hear from her. Yeah. And so if anybody's interested, check her out on the internet at bayleche.com. But first, listen to this fantastic episode of Sober Sex. We hope you enjoy Welcome, Brianna. Uh, first things first, um, you have listed she, her as your pronouns in, uh, on social media. Is that still good for you today? That works great. Thank you. Sick. Also, she, her hey. here. Louisa, hi. Lily. And she, her here as well. Lily. Awesome. Um, so yeah. how are you? You know, a little frazzled. We had the, some te- technology challenges this morning, but now I'm good. I'm ready to, ready to chat. Ready to be ready to dish on sober sex. Awesome. <laughs> and awesome. where where are you today? I'm, I'm in the greater LA area. I like okay. <laughs> how big that is. So big, you know. I'm just like LA. Yeah. That's fine. 
Yes, totally. Yeah. And thank you so much for waking up at uh, this early Pacific Standard Time to meet us. I you thought know, you were East Coast. When you have two babies, you're up at like six every day. So it's fine. Works out. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, nice. And so speaking of having two babies, what has life been like for you and for, for your family uh, in and now coming out of the pandemic? You know, I, I almost feel bad talking about it because I think like out of everyone's very different situations, we had it kind of the best because, you awesome. know, the, the U.S. doesn't really take care of folks in terms of like maternity leave and paternity leave, like being super long. So, you know, we were prepared for Daniel to have to go back to work after a few months, but then the pandemic hit. Um, pretty much right after my baby was born. So though, although it was good like, timing, yeah, although it was obviously a bummer to put it, you know, lightly, um, it also enabled us to just get like a lot of time together as a family and mm-hmm. we didn't have any other choice, you know? So, and we accidentally had our babies very close together. So, um, I think that if he weren't here as long as he was, I would have been so much more stressed out and just not able to parent as well as I know I would like to. So um, for us, it was actually very lovely to just really get to like nest all together for uh, months and months. No, I mean, I think it's so beautiful actually to get to hear kind of stories of where it's been like a healing and like nourishing time just because like so much we're kind of trapped in this narrative. And again, like in a very real way of like this was a massive trauma for everybody globally. And so it's actually kind of like heartwarming and refreshing to be like, actually, there's some like beautiful things that came out of it. So. Thank you for sharing yeah, well, that with us. Well, I'm, I'm glad it, it comes off that way because I'm always like, sorry. It's privilege. I, I you guys were depressed and I know you guys were feeling lonely, but I was like in an oxytocin bath all day. <laughs> <laughs> One second, I'm just going to close the door because my boyfriend is yelling joyfully at the dog. Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually also uh, in Los Angeles for most of the pandemic. Oh, okay. And I mean, I have to say, I felt like we had it pretty, pretty good. But I also, you know, I actually was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I really think like, I've had some sort of guilt or hang up about saying that for a long time, that like I enjoyed parts of the pandemic, you know? Um, But I really got, I got into a new relationship in the pandemic and I really got to bond and, and, you know, and he has kids and I really got to kind of ground in that relationship in a way. I don't think I would have otherwise. Yeah. And so it's like being honest about there were things that were really hard, hard about it. And also like, it's kind of nice to just be able to acknowledge, like, you know, there were some pieces I loved and what can I maybe take from that and incorporate into my life a little bit more today, you know? Totally. And kind of like, in addition to getting to like nest and bond and like spend time together. And I mean, I guess welcome a new human being into the world. Um, Has the, the kind of last, you know, 18 months, like changed whatever constellations had been going on kind of in your personal relationships? Uh, yeah, I think mostly there's been a really big, uh, switch in mine and Daniel's relationship. I mean, in the type of relationships that we seek out and are in, um, for me, just really grounding into motherhood in, in a way that I didn't know I would, um, mm-hmm. and actually not desiring as many 
connections with other folks as um, I have in the past has been really interesting. Um, simultaneously, Daniel, with having so much time at home and to kind of reflect, he's done a lot of inner work that has allowed him to really get excited about new connections. So um, yeah, we're like in the midst of a really new chapter together, which has been really um, challenging, but also uh really exciting it's been really fun to kind of like switch roles and be like oh you're the one going out more now and and um yeah it's been really sweet to see just the growth that is is happening on both sides oh man that's really exciting to hear just because like I mean we'll we'll kind of touch on this idea of like compersion and jealousy and all that stuff Mm -hmm. like a little bit later on but you've been a really vocal and like very exciting advocate about kind of ethical non-monogamy as a relationship Mm -hmm. style and talking about like over 10 years in polydynamics and so like you know you just kind of touched on both like the the challenges and the sweetness like what have Mm -hmm. been some of those kind of those challenges or rewards that this has kind of brought you and, and your partners or, or their partners, like what, what, what have been like the kind of gifts of this? Um, I think, you know, actually we're in a season right now where neither of us have like really more serious partners. Um, mostly because the babies came, I had a a three-year relationship before my first baby came and Mm -hmm. that, for a lot of reasons, uh, ended before, before I had the baby. So most of our connections right now are a little more casual where I don't know that they would actually qualify as like poly. Um, but I think mostly the goodness has come from Daniel and I just having a lot of opportunities to really show up for each other. Um, just practice a lot of tools that we've, we've built together. Uh, the other night I got really triggered before he went out on a date, just really unexpectedly. Um, there was a detail he didn't mean to leave out, but he left out and it just like sent me into a really like visceral, like, Whoa, I'm feeling a lot of things that I actually don't want to feel. Um, and in the past, I think we, we've had a hard time. We would have had a hard time handling moments like that, but, um, it was really easy. It was really easy for me to pause, take some deep breaths, regulate myself for him to notice that I was feeling things I didn't want to feel and give me a second to like regulate before he starts talking. Um, and, and yeah, that was just really a really rewarding 20 minutes or so of just like practicing all of those those tools that we've been, we've been, I don't know, working on for over a decade. And, um, just, just him being able to be with me in those moments and it not turning into something that like, you know, ramped up into a fight. And then I was still able to see him off on his date and, and be really excited and happy for him. Like I wanted to be. Um, and similarly, he was actually feeling, one of the he's 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 right now he's in like this really intense new relationship energy phase which he's never felt before to this extent it's like a very exciting connection for him so um I've been witnessing that it's been it's been interesting but 
she actually like had a very busy day yesterday. So wasn't in like contact with him as much as they had been. And he was really struggling with that, like feeling some anxiety um, as we feel. And it was also really sweet for me to be able to support him through that. Um, so we've, we've had like a lot of opportunities to just really be there for each other. And that's felt, that's felt really, really good. So that's so interesting. You know, I kind of, I was talking about it last week with Louisa, like I'm, I'm, she's way more knowledgeable about some of the worlds that we're discussing on this podcast Mm -hmm. than I am. And so listening to you talk, I would love to know, there was a point that you said right now that, um, you know, you, you said, oh, that you had had this chapter, but you didn't really know if that would be Polly. And so I'm curious, like for people that might not be as knowledgeable about that world, like what is Polly to you? What does that look like? What are the sort of boundaries or parameters if you're comfortable sharing? And yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, every, I feel like a lot of educators, Polly educators, open relationship educators have different kind of definitions of what an open relationship is versus what being poly is and what's a more Mm -hmm. umbrella term and what's not. Um, My understanding of what it means to be polyam is that there's more of an allowance for deep emotional connection um, Mm. and things like commitment. Um, It's more familial, I'd say, the orientation versus... um, Daniel and I, we, we have this conversation that we're like, are we polyam? Are we, what are we? And like, there's this urge to label it, but I think we're the way that we describe our relationship is we're in an open relationship and we're, what, what that means for us is we're open to what kind of connections come. And some of those connections might look more poly where, you know, uh, it feels like another partner, someone who's around a lot, someone who ha- who you establish some level of commitment with, or, you know, you don't want that with everyone or that doesn't work with everyone. So you also have more casual connections. Some of our connections are purely sexual and that works for both parties. Right. So for us, we don't describe ourselves as polyam necessarily because our connections are all different and we like that openness. We like that, um, our connections don't have to look a certain way. That's That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think like, I'm curious because, you know, my perception from the outside as well is some like that, you know, I, I would ha- potentially have a hard time navigating jealousy and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think like, how do you sort of experience that or, or work through it? And like, you know, is that something like, how do you kind of keep your relationship your central relationship you know your relationship with your partner like how do you kind of keep that this this sort of sacred I I I sort of envision it as like a that's sort of your central constellation and then there's all these other things that kind of come off the sides and I don't know if that's how you envision it but you know I imagine that you've probably worked through a lot with feelings of jealousy in 10 years that you've kind of come to the point where you said you are now which sounds incredibly you know beautiful yeah I think what it really is is like it's just about the ability to hold multiple emotions at once mm-hmm. and and be comfortable with that because yeah. I still feel jealousy um, and it's it's dependent very much on the situation and the type of connection. Um, what's really fascinating is like different people um, feel stronger jealousy for very different reasons. For some people, mm-hmm. it's the very charged sexual connections that really trigger right. the jealousy. For other people, it's the emotional connections. Interesting. Um, yeah, it is very interesting. And um, yeah. 
But I think like what I've realized is it really is, as I said in the beginning, it's just about the ability to hold a lot, all these different feelings at once. I can feel jealous, but I could also feel excited that he's leaving on his date. And I can feel kind of, uh, you know, resentful in a moment, but I also am feeling Mm. happy. You're kind of like working through all of these and feeling them all at the same time. And I think you just get more practiced at being able to acknowledge that you're feeling them, move through the feeling and get to the other side. It's not about like, how do I never feel this ever again? Or how do I evolve to a state where jealousy isn't something I ever feel? (laughs) Um, um, And maybe it works like that for some people, but in our experience, it's more about just being able to, to recognize it, be comfortable with it understand it move to the other side yeah sit with multiple emotions at once that's wonderful I mean and even as you were kind of discussing like this idea of like you said you were feeling feelings that you didn't want to be feeling like Mm -hmm. even saying that but being able to kind of hold space for that and work through them and like you meant you said specifically I think self-regulate which I think is like there's so much cultural expectation and we'll kind of get into this in the probably the next question but like so much cultural expectation around like if I feel jealous, it's my partner's responsibility to change their behavior or to change, mm-hmm. like to fix me kind of, to like, to meet my need. And you talk very kind of specifically about self-regulating and meeting your own need. And like, that's really, like, that's like emotional maturity, black belt shit, you know? And so it's, I think it's, <laughs> no, I mean, just to say that like, you even using that language, I think like speaks to the work that you've been doing and speaks to the fact that like, you've kind of, created a communication with your partner where it sounds like he can allow you that process like he doesn't have to change or fix and he can be like emotionally present for it which I think like it took me such a long fucking time in relationships to like conceive of the fact that conflict wasn't about being right or like changing the way I felt it was more about like seeing my partner's side of things and helping them see my side of things so we could actually grow together. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But so rarely are we kind of presented with that narrative in like a larger media standpoint or you, like even the idea of conflict as a very conflict avoidant person who like never saw my parents fight. This idea that you were able to kind of like, like see it on the other side as like a triumph, you know, mm-hmm. like that's so exciting. Um, and so for those who might be unfamiliar, like a strong argument for him. So now you can tell I'm reading <laughs> a strong argument for integrity driven relationship styles, <laughs> whatever that looks like for you is that the sh- like the shoulds that we experience culturally in this department are often entrenched in homophobic, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy. So can you talk a little bit about like what freedom looks like for you today in that area or like why those things kind of might have created a like monogamous heteronormative Mm. relationship expectation and why like it's actually beneficial to kind of break free from that matrix totally I think um what this brings me to which is answering the question but like deviating a little bit is um (laughs) just in like my personal story like uh there's just a long history of infidelity um in you know many for many generations but I mean obviously the infidelity is, is, is one way it's, uh, men getting to enjoy, um, other relationships while their wives just kind of, you know, bear through it. And that's obviously because of, you know, a lot of reasons, but 
needing to stay to to stay supported financially as women weren't working uh thinking of my grandmothers um but I and then I also my parents divorced because my dad cheated on my mom which like the story as I got older was so much more complicated and nuanced and um you know I just grew up with like this really deep fear of marriage because I didn't want my uh partner to cheat on me and like get divorced and um simultaneously I also noticed that I was somebody that always liked being in more than one relationship and I was Mm -hmm. just like whoa am I am I is it in like my genetics am I like my dad where like I'm going to just you know cheat I can't be I can't be faithful Mm -hmm. and um for me it was really empowering especially as a woman to decide like wait a second like I can own my sexuality I can own I can own my desires for multiple people and I can do that in a way that feels good. Um and, and like in integrity. Yes. And and yeah. so it was really exciting for me once I came across in college, I don't know how, I came across like the idea of like polyfolk who who loved more than one person. I was like, oh, that sounds like me. Um and I'm also a highly sexual person, so I think the idea of of ever like harnessing that has always seemed very impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah, and just watching my, you know, my my mother and my grandmothers and just seeing how they've always had to uh really make themselves smaller, make their sexualities disappear mm-hmm. for the comfort of their partners. Um, for the comfort of their family, for the comfort of everyone, for their safety, you know, like, I just feel like there is, I don't know, like, I feel like it's almost my responsibility to, to reclaim that for them and to do it differently. And um, I'm really lucky that I have a partner who has been so supportive, because I think even the best of men have a really hard time sometimes with their partner owning their sexuality, especially when it has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. That's such yeah, a beautiful absolutely. answer. <laughs> Seriously. I know I'm still taking it in. That was amazing. Well, I think it also speaks to kind of a shame culture around women's sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. that like this idea that if you do have a lot of desire or if you do have a lot of sexual energy, that somehow you either, like, as you said, have to either shrink that or you're like kind of, um, you know, essentially slut shamed, which was just like an ongoing thing. And I, I know that like Lily had had curiosity around the question of like, what's, what has your kind of reclaiming of the term slut looked like? Yeah. Cause you use it in your online bio, I think. Honestly, it's like, it's so, the whore Madonna complex is just so deep and uh, the narratives around that, you know, sexuality is shameful, especially female sexuality, are so deep that mm-hmm. for me, even though like I really enjoy calling myself a slut, I feel like I still haven't like fully embraced it for myself, like mm. what I think it could mean, um, which is really uh, interesting. And like I think when people look at my page or like my friends, a lot of my friends, a lot of my more vanilla friends, my mono friends, you know, they're, they, they think like, oh yeah, Brianna, Brianna's a slut and she's, she's great with that. But like, 
it's interesting that I feel like I still actually have like a really far way to go before I mm-hmm. feel like I've actually fully claimed and owned um, my identity as a slut. Um, yeah. But for me, I think being a slut means somehow freeing yourself of all of that shame that is associated with with owning your sexuality and enjoying your sexuality. And I, you know, a lot of times I, I feel I feel like a mare, but then, I, I mean, the first example that comes to mind is like a, a fantasy that I have often is like a gangbang with, with myself as the center. Like that's a really intense fantasy that I have. But like when I think about what it would mean to like actually arrange that and act it out. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> like I can't, right. I can't do that, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, all, all I'm trying to say is like, I claim it and I use it, but I still feel like I have a far way to go. I mean, I think that's, that's beautiful that you like can kind of speak specifically about that, but it's also like, I mean, there's so many different layers of kind of entrenchment also like mm-hmm. and physical safety and for sure, for sure. you know, all that stuff I think is, is really real, especially when we talk about kind of reclaiming a term that pe- has, has been kind of wielded against women, especially and specifically <laughs> for a long yeah. ass time. But you know, it's, it's funny. I remember that, like that it kind of went viral for a while. That girl who was at the slut walk, who was like asked what being a slut meant and in, in a shaming yeah. way. And she was like, yeah. be a slut, do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. I'm, just yeah. like, yeah. I'm just like, she's the fucking best. Like, I wish I could own, own, own this like that, you know? I mean, um, especially when, like, in this context of the idea that shame is actually some, like, it's, if I can drop it, and I know you do work on, like, kind of, um, like, body acceptance and body image stuff, mm-hmm. and this is where mind crops up a lot, that shame is, like, if I can allow it to be something that somebody else can fucking carry, <laughs> like that's not even yeah. mine, you know, I think it, and it, it seems like, or I, I can see in a bigger context how like the work that you're doing and the work that you help other people with is this idea of like, I'm not carrying that fuck off, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And I, that makes me really excited. Like that, especially kind of, as you say, like it's an inherited duty to, to liberate, you know, in this way. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to go back for a second, though, because I think to clarify, like, you don't have to be hypersexual to be a slut. I think more so I mean, um, I still have a hard time owning my uh, most, uh, my deepest and like most authentic desires. And I think uh, that's what I mean. It's not about like, not about like these really intense sexual fantasies. It's about, yeah. I'm still not, I'm still not able to own the fullness of my desires. And I think uh, for me, owning your, owning your sluttiness is about that be, no matter what your desires are as, as tame or as even non-sexual as, you know, as they might be. Yeah, no, that's, and thank you for clarifying because it definitely makes sense. But I think like that idea of like, and it's a kind of new concept. So apologies if there's like a kind of static around it or it takes a little bit to get out, but this idea of like making contact with like, as you say, like one's kind of deepest or fullest kind of root of sexual expression, whatever that looks like. And again, like, as you say, the kind of wildest kind of most like carnal cravings or just like this kind of hot flame of erotic energy. Like, Mm -hmm. again, this is not like, it's not culturally encouraged. (laughs) 
but I think it's such a source of power that it's really exciting to kind of talk about, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you're also a mom to two children. How do you navigate that with your relationship style? And, you know, as they say, the kitchen table poly with your kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I think my my partner and I, we just have like a really laid back attitude toward it. And I think like mm-hmm. something that doesn't really vibe with us that other um, other couples that have like a very similar brand to ours um, like to do is like kind of really go a little hard with like, oh, this is my child and, I, and they're talking about my boyfriend and girlfriend and like they understand that mommy's on a date. And like, not that that's, bad but I think for us what feels more comfortable is a more um a more casual approach of just like oh daddy's out with a friend mommy's out with a friend this is this is daddy's friend so and so when they come over for dinner you know and I think like for us um as we try and free ourselves from putting our relationships in these categories anyways like why do we need to differentiate for our children? Like who we're, who we're sexual with or who we're romantic with when like for us, there's also a goal to really um, prop up platonic love and how, um, how much you, how much value is in that. So for us also, it's, it's, it's about what's age appropriate. You know, your kids don't need to know, (laughs) like your toddler doesn't need to know who, who you're, who you're making out with, who you're having sex with. So Um, I think looking into the future, if they start asking us more pointed questions, which we're, which we're hopeful that we provide, um, you know, the type, the types of relationships with them where there is an openness and where they feel comfortable asking us whatever they need to ask us, um, we can address those questions then, you know, but, but before then, I just hope that what they see just looks like mommy and daddy have a bunch of of, of friends that are around that, that love them, you know, and that they can't really tell the difference between friends that were boinking or not boinking, you know? <laughs> well, that's great. It's giving them sort of a broader idea of love, which is a lot of what I feel like you've talked about. It's sort of yeah. introducing that to them. And I, I love that. So yeah. Thank you for, for explaining that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think like, I don't know, I, it was really, I, I, found this thing on the internet. I'd say it was another viral video of also, <laughs> anyway, too much time on the internet, but talking about the idea of kind of de- decentralizing like a singular, you know, monogamous relationship, decentralizing the notion of like one singular purpose being romantic love mm-hmm. being another kind of liberating concept. And I love the idea of like having, like showing a family or so- showing kids like a life that's really full of love what like as you say like regardless of who you're boinking or what's platonic like to kind of have an, an abundant life of love seems like mm-hmm. a really noble and like just a beautiful a beautiful way to live so totally. as opposed to being like <laughs> kind of coveting like golemy <laughs> Yeah, and we also, like, we we happen to have, like, a, a, a little bit of an alternative living situation where our best friends used to live in the same house with us. Um, they're also a couple, hetero couple, and um, they had a baby. We got pregnant, so we needed more space, but we were doing, like, a very communal living situation. They actually ended up moving to the back house that's on the same property, so it's a very, like, fluid like kids just run back and forth we 
we technically co-parent. I don't think that we've like formally called it that. Um, but yeah, I think just trying to trying to model that in as many ways as possible just feels ideal. Giving them an imagination. I talk a lot about imagination with my work. I call myself an imagination coach. I think just like really providing them for providing them with just different options always of, of how you can do your life. Louisa and I have talked a lot about, yeah, no, we've talked a lot about the idea of just moving out to the countryside with a few of our friends and just having like a little commune. And that's yeah. like, Isn't that the dream? I mean, that, that yes. kind of community, <laughs> like, you know, I think would be, it feels super important to me in my future. I don't know. And I love the idea that you're introducing that kind of community to your kids even now. Yeah. And not to idealize it though. It's not easy. Like living in close yeah, prox- of proximity with other folks is always challenging. I'm sure you've both had roommates. So like yes. add, add layers of like trying to sync your parenting styles or, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's definitely not easy, but the pros outweigh the cons for the most part. Yeah, totally. I mean, although Lily and I were both essentially like, I was, I'm an only child. Lily was raised essentially as an only child. And I'm like, yeah. like, how good am I at actually sharing? <laughs> and yeah, I think it's yeah. a question of like communication, but that's, that's, that's helpful to kind of point out that I'm like, maybe, especially when you talk about like navigating parenting styles as a group, I'm just like, oh my God, what a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty intense. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so to kind of backtrack a little bit, like you, you spoke a little bit about your family of origin, but what were some of the earliest messages you received around sex and sexuality? Yeah. Um, I think mostly it wasn't talked about. Um, but wow. Sorry. As you asked me this, even though I reviewed this question earlier, like as you asked me this, like a very like intense memory came up. So I just feel like I have to share it. Yes. (laughs) Goals. ugly I guess trigger warning for like mild abuse but um yeah when my mom found out put it this way we didn't talk about sexuality even though I think my mom was very aware that I was like a a a sexual being because I think like children have sexualities like that's your sexuality is there from a very early age you have erotic energy and um, I think my mom was like very aware that I had a, I had a lot of it and I was in touch with it, but she didn't know how to have these conversations. Um, but she uh, found out that I had lost my virginity. Um, I don't even remember how she found out. It was like, oh, she read my diary. How nice. Oh, yeah, she read thanks, diary. mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, talking about self-regulating, she just, it, it sent her into this really intense, like, fit and rage and um she I just remember her she like smacked me across the face and like just kind of went off on me and 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 that was a very like I feel fine but like that was it was just this very intense moment and for me when I look back all I can think is like I just want to support my children in having uh, full and healthy sexualities because I wish that she would have handled that obviously very differently, but that she would have been able to, to take a second and to be able to be like, are you okay? Do you have any questions? What's this relationship like? Um, and I think that, uh, that moment kind of really informs why sex positive parenting is so important to me, um, Mm. going forward and why, 
um, a big piece of that is being comfortable with my own sexuality, no matter what it is. Um, Because I think that my mom still to this day is really uncomfortable, you know, speaking about her own sexuality. And um, that makes it difficult to talk to your kids. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And also to send the messages around kind of like, you know, like how, how to be safe and how to kind of stay in like integrity with like what you want moving forward like what an impossible conversation (laughs) to have if that was the kind of like reaction oh I'm sorry that happened but I mean you seem like you turned out great yeah (laughs) somehow I'm really okay I don't know (laughs) I mean but you had you kind of talked about like you know having a like being in touch with your sexual energy as a young person. And then I I read in your bio that you were interested kind of early on in becoming a sex therapist. And that was kind of poo-pooed very early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So how did you kind of circumvent the, like those early messages that sound mega sex negative to like finding your path into like not only sexuality, but imagination and creativity and connection. Like it's kind of miraculous. It is. And honestly, like I feel really, I don't think I'm going to cry, but I feel like the tears welling up a little bit. Like, I feel like I talked about like feeling about feeling my responsibility, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. And I think that, um, another part of like why my work is important, why I just am so passionate about helping folks enjoy their own sexualities, no matter what that looks like or enjoy, you know, their relationships and sexualities within their relationships and having them look a way that just works for them. Um, And one of the reasons that I feel like a lot of responsibility around it is like, as a woman in this world, even if we get to the place where we get to own our sexuality and we feel good about ourselves and we're out there, you know, doing our thing, that is shut down. That is shut down. Mm -hmm. You women, what is the, I don't even know what the rate of like women getting assaulted and and trigger warning again raped like what the rate of that is so so high and somehow in my journey I've only been safe and I've only Hmm. had partners who've really like seen me and 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 that have that have helped me have just very positive experiences and so with that I just feel like it's it's my duty and my responsibility to help others enjoy their sexualities because I've just been so lucky to really get to enjoy the fullness of my own. Oh my God, that's like super beautiful. And again, like it's kind of why we hold space here for these conversations, you know, because it seems like there's such, especially like both Lily and I are in, in recovery and like especially I know for me getting sober, there was this whole idea that I would have to like suddenly become a nun. And I like, didn't know what to, how to Hmm. like deal with that sexual energy in recovery because it had been so linked to drugs. And Mm -hmm. so to like, for you to use your own positive experience as like a bridge to other people's healing is like a really, a really powerful thing. Um, And it sounds like your, you know, your, your relationship, which is long-term and obviously you have kids now, like, it's evolved a lot. How, how did it kind of start out? Like, how did you have those first conversations about like maybe being polyamorous? Is that something that you knew coming yeah. into it that you wanted or how did that work you know, out? I, I, I really like this conversation um, because a big 
something that's really important to Daniel and I as, I, as we share our story is sharing that it wasn't easy. <laughs> it's a very mm-hmm. important part of it um, to get where we're at now. It's, it's, it was never easy. And in the beginning, you know, Daniel, we met when we were 21 years old, which is just kind of wow. disgusting. So young. <laughs> And um, we actually met at a Christian college. Oh. <laughs> we, were, we were both, we were both, yeah, very different people. Um, both kind of ex-evangelicals or like fresh ex-evangelicals, but like kind of stuck at the school together. And um, uh, we fell in love really quickly. We had a really sweet, you know, really sweet uh, early few months. Uh, just knew, knew really early on that we wanted to be together kind of long term. But um, I had a boyfriend that wasn't him at the time and um, like actually became physically ill because I didn't like the idea that like I felt so intensely for both of them, but like had Mm. to choose. So on the back of that experience, after choosing my husband now, Daniel, um, that's when I learned about poly polyamory and that like that was a whole there was a whole group of people Mm. that like you know you had realized you don't have to choose so very early on in our relationship I was like Daniel this is a thing I think I'm this and you know 21 year old Daniel you know wanting to to think he 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 was on board he was like yeah yeah we could try we could try (laughs) Um, sounds cool (laughs) yeah it sounds cool and so um because we were kind of just really riding the new relationship energy of one another it took a while before I was actually interested in somebody else but uh once I was I think he realized like how or we both realized how difficult it was going to be and um just how deeply especially for him as a man how much he was gonna have to undo to actually let me in quotations, <laughs> heavy, heavy finger to, quotations here for the to, listeners to, to enjoy an open relationship um, style. And um, I, I know the bar for, for men, sorry, sorry, is like on the floor. <laughs> really, but, It's fine. But you I don't would, have to apologize. I, I, I do give him a lot of credit because he's just, he's done the hard work of having to just undo a lot of programming um, mm-hmm. so that he can truly enjoy me enjoying the fullness of my sexuality and uh, relationships with other people. Um, but it was not easy. And even before we got married, which was, I think we were together for five years, I think he still had had these like ideas in the back of his mind that maybe like oh she'll get over it you know what I mean <laughs> like like yeah. maybe if we get married and I actually had a very like serious conversation with him I was like hey just so you know like just to really be clear I'm excited to marry you but this doesn't mean that I'm gonna not see other people and um just it's it's taken really like the whole 12 years 12 years of us being together for it to feel as good as it does now I think it's felt this way for maybe like two three years but before that it was just constantly like trying and failing and fighting and talking through it and hurting each other's feelings and um just kind of over and over again to until we figured it out wow thank you so much it's for wonderful you that. weathered all that yeah, yeah. that's like 
a lot of work. It is. For both it of you. is. And yeah, I mean, for both I, of you. I think for other people, it happens more quickly, maybe. Like, you're able to figure it out. I don't well, know. I mean, even like meeting in a Christian school in kind of a, you know, kind of evangelical post-purity culture, like that sounds like that has to be a lot of undoing too, just to kind of reclaim one's own idea of like sex and totally, like, totally. yeah, relationship, <laughs> like how intense. I, mean, I was really lucky that like my stint as an evangelical was just like very short. I was just very enamored by, uh, really idealized aspects of it but then once I realized that's not what was happening I was like "Mm." (laughs) for Daniel was a little bit longer and so I think he's he's actually just now like really undone a lot of that that shame and like I feel like honestly like this month is like the first month he's really enjoying his sexuality in like a a really shame free uh, way which is so exciting oh and that's so beautiful yeah. that you can feel that way and like watch like because I think I've in been a lot waiting of, I've been yeah waiting. I'm, like, I'm like Daniel's sexual awakening is coming I don't know when but it's coming <laughs> I'm gonna be so excited Aww. and, and, that's so and beautiful. here we are Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah especially like oh man the I think in a lot of kind of monogamous belief systems that that would like every time you guys would hit a roadblock of like, I'm actually seeing somebody else. I'm interested in somebody else. I have new relationship energy with somebody else. It would be like end of the road, end of the road, end of the road. And instead it seems like it's really kind of built you guys into a state of like being truly delighted for each other mm-hmm. when you feel that way, which is mm-hmm. like incredible. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. wish that my jealousy wasn't like so violent, you know, like, cause it's, it can feel so overwhelming, you know? Yeah, I get it. But I think the process, the way it looks like is, um, I don't know, like anything else, it gets easier every time. Like every time you're able to like push yourself just a little bit, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I can push myself a little bit more. Oh, okay. We're still okay. I'm still okay. You're still okay. Okay. Let's push ourselves a little bit more. Um, And it's just kind of that process over and over and over again until you realize like, oh, you're still here. I'm still here. We're, we're good. We're good. You know, that's sick. Um, and I know that also part of your work in addition to kind of like kind of relationship or like, I love how you called it imagination coaching in terms of Mm -hmm. like giving people other options (laughs) that are typically on the table or that we imagine on the table that like you do a lot of body image and body acceptance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, would you mind talking about how, a little bit, how that's kind of worked its way into your story? Yeah, I think once again, talking about responsibility for some reason, I've always felt really good about my body. I think I credit actually athletics. I was a runner, um, in high school, um, and I loved it. And I was on a team with um, amazing women and, um, just seeing what my body could do, um, helped me develop I think just like a really more deeper holistic love for for my body and um you know thinking about conventional colonized idealized beauty standards like I'm not that I've never been that I'm not white I'm not curvy etc 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 um but for some reason I've, I've always been able to really 
love my body. And I think a lot of masturbation, a lot of like seeing the pleasure that I could derive from my own body also helped me get there. So I think when I started, the first time that I started having feelings of like, oh, I don't know if I like my body. Um, well, I felt those early on, but I mean more intensely, like more seriously, more consistently was um, after having my first baby and like just mm. seeing how much my body had changed um, was a little jarring. Pregnancy is just really intense because over nine months you grow, you grow huge and then it, it then you deflate. <laughs> so it's, it's very intense. And um, in that process, I, um, got really excited about, um, doing that work of like really learning how to love my body beyond what it looked like. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I, and I think a lot about aging and how, um, you know, we're, we're all just going to get older and our bodies are going to look once again, like talking about conventional beauty standards, less beautiful, less desirable, so how do I begin to do that work now and have the tools now to feel good about my body outside of, mm. of, of its desirability? Um, so I think having babies was a part of that. Wanting to help other folks do that work as I built my toolkit. Um, secondly, is really noticing that although we live in a patriarchal culture, men seem to be really dying um, to have their bodies noticed as something beautiful, mm. um, as something mm. pretty, as something like, I don't know. I, I noticed that a lot in like my dating life. And so I've enjoyed working with male clients um, through like offering boudoir photography sometimes for clients that are in LA, but just to help men um, view their bodies and see their bodies as as beautiful that's been uh, another fun part of my work um, love that yeah <laughs> one doesn't even consider it who is I forget who we were we were talking to but this oh this idea of like tenderness to the male body because I don't think they receive very yeah. much yeah. <laughs> and so it's beautiful yeah. that you're kind of facilitating that yes. uh, within your client relationships um and kind of finally, uh, before we jump into the lightning round, can you tell us a piece of wisdom that you would have loved to be able to tell your former self? Yeah. Um, trust yourself. Hmm. Just trust yourself. I think it's taken me too many years, too long to just trust myself, you know? I, I, yes. I think, you, like, you know what you need. Totally. Probably yeah. would be what I would say. <laughs> That's beautiful. It sounds like you've listened to that more than a lot of people in the world <laughs> yeah, that I know. So I think, and I think really have like been down for the exploration of just kind of seeing where, like continue to follow the crumbs of what you need. And, you know, like it seems yeah. like you've really done that. I like to blame that on just like my really low tolerance for like unhappiness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I must be I and mean, it's like I must be experiencing joy at least 85% of the time yeah. or a low tolerance for living life like everyone else lives their life which is kind of what motivates me sometimes I'm like I don't want to do it the way everybody else does it, you have, so. do you have, I'm hearing strong Aquarian placements here or no 
I'm a Virgo, believe it or not, but still I don't water. Know. No, you're never mind this earth. Oops, I, I'm so I'm bad at this. Virgo person. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not good we at this need, either. We don't need to like psh, that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that answer is beautiful, and yeah, like I mean, so many of the so many of the insight is just like listen, to, listen to your inner voice, like have integrity yeah. with yourself, trust it, because like so much of my bullshit is just like a result of people pleasing and like trying to fit in. Ugh. Totally. And as I mean, as you said, you read in my bio, like I knew when I was 16 years old, I wanted to be a sex therapist. And then I just because I didn't trust myself and because you went to an evangelical college, no one one was able to be like, yes, that's a good idea. I really took a lot of wrong turns and a really long road just back to like now I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to go back to school so I can be a sex therapist. (laughs) Just the scenic road. (laughs) <laughs> yeah very sweet and great <laughs> okay so beautiful we are now That's descending great. into the lightning round so, lily would you kick yeah. us off don't think just sure answer. all right lightning round yeah first answer what is a scent memory from your childhood um arroz con leche which is like a cinnamon oh, rice porridge i love arroz con leche That's yeah. amazing. That's a really good make it smell so good um, what is the best book, series, or movie you've recently consumed and loved? Emergent Strategy, Adrian Marie Brown. Awesome. I'm assuming this is Great. a book. Yeah, a book. <laughs> Can you expand? What's it about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She her first her first one was Pleasure Activism. She's a scholar of Octavia Butler, who's a one sec. I'm writing this down. This sounds amazing. Who's a science fiction writer? Um, and through her study of this science fiction she's actually like created um almost like this theology and it's it's really incredible amazing great Mm -hmm. suggestion great um what turns you on uh novelty Mm. (laughs) i love that that's become a lifestyle and i'm just like god damn it i need to work i need to figure this out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what do you love Oh, my family. Yeah. And uh, what's a song that helps you get into your body? Um, Janelle Monet, Make Me Feel, Ooh. I think is the title. Yeah. Excellent. And where can we find you on the World Wide Web? I have a cute little website. It's uh, bayleche.com. It's a great website. Highly recommended. It we is. also like your services seem really fucking rad. <laughs> so yes. huge plug. Check out it's the website. Been, it's been so fun. I feel so lucky, you guys. I feel so lucky that I am doing what I want to be doing. What a, what a dream. What a dream. <laughs> yeah. it really, it, like what a dream. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say there's something kind of beautiful about making a full circle back to what you always had wanted as a kid. And here you are back now with a lot more real life experience to add to the mix. So I think it's you've had such a beautiful journey. It's been so awesome talking to you. Totally. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, yes, everybody check out Beleche at Beleche.com or on Mm -hmm. Instagram.com. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's an there's a ugly underscore under Bay Leche, though, for Instagram. Bay Leche underscore. Because <laughs> I've been Got deleted it. by the platform a few times. They don't like me. Uh, so. Well, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Keep on being your bad self. And yeah. thanks again for the conversation. Thank you. Thank you.